listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Ah, the sweet smells of pine, the everlasting joy of Christmas Day, and the time of winter, and being out with nature. Yes, I did light a Yankee candle that is pine and forest scented, and it smells lovely, and I love it. Man, what an intro. Welcome to Get Super with Mario, presented by Cinema 7 here on the Cinema 7 feed, all over Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple iTunes. I'm your host, Mario B, and uh, welcome back to Get Super, obviously. It's episode 5. I can't believe I'm, I'm still doing this. Uh, for today's episode, I'll be talking about two movies I watched uh, during the week, over the weekend. Um, some movie uh, news going on, um, the Madam Web trailer I'll talk about. Um, if I get there, if I have time, I'll talk about uh, the AEW pay-per-view this past Saturday, Full Gear. And I don't really have um, anything revealing to talk about this episode, uh, nothing to really share. Um if I, if I uh, find something along the way as I'm going that I, I can talk about and be vulnerable with you about, uh, I will uh, end the podcast on that and hope for you guys to have a good rest of your week and all that jazz. By the way, the candle is Village Candle and is Northern Pine. We also have a new segment on this podcast. We have a new segment this episode. Uh, my friend Joey Hill, he's been my friend for over 18 years. He's basically... Uh, like a brother to me, him, Chris Hawk, John, George, you know, we're all basically family. We're really close. We've been friends for a really long time. And he sent me uh, a thing. Well, we talked over the, over the week and maybe a couple days ago, uh, at this point, whenever you're listening to it, probably I'll just say last week. And, uh, he wanted to, you know, have a little snippet on the podcast and share some things and, um, whenever he wants to send me something, yeah, I said, go ahead, send me whatever you want. I'll put on the podcast. Uh, anybody can send me anything if they have an opinion on something and I'll share it. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's gonna, Joey Hill's gonna come on and talk about, um, something. I don't know what it is until I put the audio in and I listen to it and finish the episode. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a secret. I'll never know what it is until I put the file into the thing. And I trust Joey Hill that it's not going to be, you know, wildly insane to the point where I probably shouldn't have it on the podcast. I told him, well, I don't know if I told him, but um, Joey Hill did do a a few episodes with Cinema 7. He came on, um, I think we talked about the prequels one time, uh, the prequels episode we did, Star Wars. Um, He came on and we talked about uh, vulnerability. Uh, that was a big thing. That honestly was what made me want to get into talking about the stuff I, I 
try to talk about on the podcast, like my mental health, uh, things I could do to improve, uh, me using the podcast as a journal. It, it was all stemmed from him and, and wanting to do that episode. So he is more influential on the podcast than he realized. And then uh, when we, uh, I, I think I did the thank you episode right before our last Sim and 7 episode, I said, I gave him a big shout out, obviously, and I said that he has a voice for podcasting, I think. So uh, I think he's going to sound really good. But we'll get there when we get there, and I'll hear it for the first time with all of you. Sad news in the uh, world of gaming uh, for Star Wars fans that miss the old Star Wars games, uh, if any of this information is true. It's being reported by Inside Gamer. Now, I don't know how credible the source of Inside Gamer is, uh, but what they're saying is the Knights of the Old Republic remake is no more. It's dead in the water, and it probably won't happen. As someone who has recently, every now and then, gone to play some of the original Knights of the Old Republic, I am, uh, that kind of sucks, um, I don't know what they're trying to do with the remake. I guess build it from the ground up again. I really like the story the way it is. I like the way the game plays. Maybe if you make it a little bit more like Mass Effect 3 or uh, Mass Effect Andromeda type of gameplay. Something newer but keeping the f- keeping faith with what it was. Now, my friend Joey, he loves uh, Knights of the Republic. I think Chris Hawk has seen it. I know some of you don't even know who these people are. That's okay. If you go back and listen to Sim 7 like I said, in the archives, you'll know who they are. I, I don't know. I was a big Star Wars fan. I love all of the Knights of the Old Republic uh, story lines. Uh, I have the Knights of the Old Republic comics. I was collecting those for a while that Dark Horse did. And, you know, the, the information through my friends that have finished Knights of the Old Republic, the original two, um, I think... A lot of it is really good story, and I know fans have been wanting Lucasfilm to adapt Knights of the Old Republic into film or make it canon since everything is non-canon anymore. It kind of sucks that we won't get this thing unless they are saving it for something different because they, they want to make it canon maybe, or maybe they're making it into a show or a series or a movie. Who knows? We can only hope. The uh, Madam Web trailer has caught the Internet Nerd Factory by storm, and I am a part of that Internet Nerd Factory, uh, so I'm not calling everyone nerds in a uh, disparaging way. I'm grouping myself in the uh, Internet Nerd Factory. Uh, it looks different in a good way, in my opinion. I read, I think it was 4.5, or it was the fourth episode. I read what my friend Chris Hawk thought. He's the Spider-Man guy. Hopefully, I'm hoping for these projects to be good. Uh, I want to see them succeed. The, I, I'm hoping it's better than Morbius, which starred uh, Pedo Leto. Uh, the reason I say that is because, you know, Jared Leto has possibly groomed young fans of his band. Look it up. Uh, anyway, Morbius has some good moments, but it wasn't what I think it could have been. I am excited for the Sony Spider-Man villain movies. I, I like the idea of setting up a universe and in, in the world building through Spider-Man's rogue galleries. Now, I don't think Spider-Man's rogue galleries are as iconic as Batman's rogue gallery. It is pretty cool that... Well, in a way, you know, Spider-Man and Batman, they have a... Not a similar rogue gallery, but them both having 
the rogue galleries that they have in a way is similar. But uh, I don't know. I think it's a cool thing. I think it's pretty neat. The big news in entertainment and movie is the rumor of Pedro Pascal in talks to play Reed Richards in an MCU Fantastic Four movie. It's circling around the internet. It's going wildfire. While I like Pedro, I think he's a great actor. I like everything he's in. I don't know if Reed Richards is a great role for him unless he brings more of his own personal charm to the role. And dare I say it, he could possibly make it uh, similar to the 2005 Fantastic Four Reed Richards, which I like. I think a more nerdy, silly Reed Richards versus a stone-faced, super serious Reed Richards would uh, captivate us more if Pedro Pascal got to uh, use a lot of his own charisma for the role. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is also rumored to have been cast as Sue Storm. I think Vanessa Kirby is a brilliant actress. She's gonna. She's in the movie that I'm talking about uh, later in this episode. But this is my take on it. Vanessa Kirby is 35. Pedro Pascal is 48, close to 50. I think he's 48. Uh, I I feel like I'm the only one talking about it this way, and I get it. They're both consenting adults, uh, especially as characters, as human beings, and and. Uh, it's just a weird, tutsy subject for me to think about. If they're going to be a thing as they usually are in the movie, can we get an age-appropriate relationship? Uh, Joseph Quinn, he's in the running to play Human Torch. Marvel and Disney. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Marvel and Disney. You need to stop casting based on popularity. I get the strategy. Okay, you want people to go pay and see your movie. You use the actor's who are popular in the internet world off of other projects in a way to sell your product. But I want good art. I want good stories. I want good movies with these characters. And I think sometimes this overshadows that. Now, Joseph Quinn was great in Stranger Things, and I get that role broke the internet because he was charismatic in it. But can we have auditions for these roles instead of just you know, having a select group of people based on popularity and going to get them? Or, or write the movie first instead of casting it first. Figure out, because you seem to be figuring out as you go, as the reports are saying, and then use reshoots to fix the mess. Now, I have nothing against these actors. I'm not trying to take anything away from the people who are excited. It's just my opinion on the matter, and, and I'm happy to hear different sides of it. I get the excitement. I do, and I don't want to kill the vibe people have about these these rumors. I just want better of the process and the ideas behind it. That's my two cents. Now, Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Doom, I think, is a fantastic choice for Dr. Doom. I hope that rumor is true. Okay, since I, I mentioned it, by the way, I, I never want to say someone someone is wrong or say someone else's opinion is wrong or, or not valid in any way. I, I don't like discrediting people on them enjoying something. I don't want to convince people to like something or convince people that I'm right. Because I, I, I always have this, this theory that I'm never going to be the smartest person in the room. Okay, because I don't know everything. 
Now, if I was in a room of people who don't watch wrestling, I obviously will know more about wrestling. So there's a lot of things, you know, like that I don't really know about that other people will know. So I'll never be the smartest person in a room. Therefore, I always take that to like other medians, like opinions and, and things like that. Cause I, I, who's to say I know more than someone else or whatever. There are opinions on entertainment, you know, it's not correct. It's not the, the right, it's not right or wrong. And, and I, you know, I, I don't want to convince people of something they don't believe themselves, I guess. So especially on film or a wrestling match, Uh, I like hearing what people think, though I'm very willing to share my opinions on things. I like getting others opinions. Sometimes it helps you look at a movie or a wrestling storyline. It helps you look at something in an entirely different perspective. And next time I watch said thing after I've been told, maybe I appreciate it more and I'll understand it more why someone didn't like it or why they liked it. For example, you can listen to our first original episode about it, The Last Jedi, our first review in the uh, Cinema 7 archives. I hated that movie with a passion. I was super critical of it. Chris Hawk of Cinema 7 was very defensive about the movie. He really liked it. Then last year, our newest episode about, about it, uh, throughout the years, obviously, I've developed more appreciation for it because of what I thought Ryan Johnson was trying to do with the movie. And I think having Chris Hawk as a friend, listening to him, his opinions about it, him liking it helped me not be so super critical of it. I think Chris Hawk was able to see the complexities of my opinion or John's disdain of some of it. And as, as well, I think for all of us, cinema seven was kind of like a learning growing experience and especially to see that movie and any movie from different perspectives. I just wanted to let people know that just because I have a different opinion on movies as them, I'm not saying that they are wrong about what they think about movies. This is a safe place to agree or disagree with me. I've been talking about Marvel and Disney stuff a lot lately, but I will be talking more about DC this episode because I saw Blue Beetle over the weekend. And I will give you my thoughts on it. I also rented Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. So I'll also talk about that. But before I get there, let's hand it over to my good friend, Joey Hill. What's the Joe for this week? Joey Hill presents Mystery Meat. Hello, Get Super listeners. This is Joey Hill. I'm bringing to you a little special presentation that I just decided to send to Mario. Whether he uses this or not, it's up to him. Uh, To begin, I'd like to say that Mario, I think what you're doing is awesome, brave, beautiful. You're putting yourself out there. You're also talking about some really cool stuff, and I'm all about it. I listen to it on my way to work. It's awesome. Anyways, I felt like sending you a piece of audio. So, let's begin talking about something that I'm into. What I want to talk about today is Starfield. Video game came out on the Xbox 
Series X and Xbox Series S and all of their stuff. It's also on PC. It's pretty cool that it's an Xbox exclusive. Anyways, yeah, people have been talking about it. I'm digging it. My thoughts on it. There's a lot of people that don't seem to like it. They don't think it's that good. One thing I will say is that Starfield is not like this groundbreaking, genre-defining epic. What it is, is it's a Bethesda game, which, as we know, involves a lot of like exploration and RPG elements and story elements. It's basically Fallout in space. I feel like people had too high expectations for this game. They were thinking that it was going to be out of this world, like humongous, every single planet just covered in crazy amounts of detail, and that's not what ended up happening. What ended up happening is we got Fallout in space. You got these procedurally generated worlds. They look pretty nice. They can be a slog to explore sometimes because you have to do the whole thing on foot. Uh, But at the core element of Starfield, I think that we got a good game on our hands. You know, the shooting is fun. Ship combat is pretty good. I don't think it's like any crazy, amazing starship battle simulator, but it's overall not bad. And we got some interesting characters, interesting storylines. There's a couple ones that are kind of bland, but overall, the quest lines and things that you're doing in the game, they're a little more, they're more interesting more often than they're not. So I think Starfield, I'd give it like a 7 or 8 out of 10. It's definitely a better game. Like, it's not a game that they just like pooped out. I feel like maybe it was rushed, and there's some content that they can add with DLC that'll really polish it up. Like, give me a Star Roamer, like a little buggy that I can drive to move around these procedurally generated planets faster. That would be very, very nice. Um, Oh, one element of Starfield that I absolutely can't put down is I love building ships. The shipbuilder is just a ton of fun. Uh... I'll spend hours just coming up with different aesthetics. How should I place the cockpit? I like asymmetrical ship designs. I like symmetrical ship designs. I go nuts. I also like experimenting with the weapons. Ton of fun. Uh, That's probably the best part and best takeaway for Starfield is that shipbuilding, at least for me. Overall, it's a good casual experience. It's not a hardcore experience. It's not like this deep grind of a game it's just kind of like pick it up play it explore some stuff have a good time and put it down that's about all i'm doing with it so i think that starfield underrated and uh it's overall a good game i think people should stop shitting on it i think with a little dlc and a little mods this game could be actually quite perfect anyways mario that's my bit hopefully i didn't take up too much time if there's anything else you want to hear about from me you could let me know, send me a text, send me some love. I'm sending you a ton of love. And uh, yeah, that's uh, Joey's mystery segment. Whatever you decide to call this, it's up to you. But uh, I think like the theme is going to be that I'm never going to tell you exactly what I'm going to talk about. But I'll always talk about something that interests me that's entertainment-based or something. And it's, Anyways, love you. Hope you have a great day. I'm really proud of you keep doing what you're doing. I'm always going to be listening. I was scrolling through the apps and it seems like Neon has produced uh, some good looking quality independent movies and putting those movies on digital mostly. Whether they are good or not, I don't know. 
The few I saw looked pretty interesting, though. I looked up the new Indiana Jones movie on Microsoft Movies and Amazon Prime because I wanted to rent it, but you can only buy it. It would seem Disney doesn't want us to rent it elsewhere. I looked up when it will be on Disney+, and the Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is said to be able to stream on Disney Plus December 1st, so we'll see. It's almost the end of the year, and I am trying to watch as many movies as possible to have my top 10 movies ready. I also looked up Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning and when that will be available to watch through the apps. You can buy it and rent it now digitally anywhere, but it will be available to stream on Paramount Plus in February. But I rented it. So here's my review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, as it is called when it was released in theaters, because I heard a rumor that they were changing the title. So the movie starts off with showing the sub and these keys unlocking this weapon. Uh, and then the sub gets taken out. So everyone wants these two keys that are used to activate this disastrous weapon from a Russian sub. I assume it's a Russian sub. At least that's what I remember. There are multiple villains. Uh, the White Widow returns from the last Mission Impossible and she wants the keys. It seems the White Widow was hired by someone to get it. So the White Widow hires Haley Artwell's character who is a thief Pock picketer, uh, pickpocket uh, to get one of the keys. Haley Otwell's character is kind of thrown into all this. She's like a normal person, you know, even though she's an extraordinary thief, uh, her character has never experienced any of this type of spy action type of stuff. The main villain, well, I assume it's the main villain, is called The Entity. And The Entity chose the perfect antagonist for Ethan Hunt because. Apparently, the Entity is afraid of Ethan Hunt, which is revealed in one scene. I guess the Entity is afraid of him getting the keys, or it's not really explained why the Entity is afraid of Ethan Hunt. But the antagonist that the Entity hires is a man from Ethan's past. Uh, We never met this guy before in any of the movies. So the Entity is not a group or an organization. Like I said, the AI is The entity is AI. I don't know why AI wants these keys or the weapon. I might have missed it. I just, I don't understand. Uh, This new Mission Impossible has a lot of cool things happening. It's, It's definitely more grounded later on versus the beginning of the movie. But it's a lot, sometimes it's a lot of the same that we've seen before. I I did notice one small mistake while watching this movie. When... Haley Atwell's character Grace is driving the Fiat they make this quick turn and there's a car they almost hit at the corner when Pom's character Paris is in the armored truck and she turns the same corner there's no car there anymore I noticed that and I thought I'd point it out this isn't the strongest Mission Impossible in my opinion because the threat is not as strong as the last two movies the plot is more grounded than the last three movies like I said but The plot is just not interesting in the beginning of the movie to me. There's a lot of action early on. Now, throughout the film, as it slows down, especially on the train in the climax of the movie, gains my attention more, which saves it for me. But the story doesn't seem to, to me, or makes me think it's a great follow-up to what we've gotten before. There are comedy moments that throw me off a bit in this. Uh, It does build 
Tom Cruise's rival really well, the, the guy that the entity hired. And let me just say, Ving Rhames is a fucking icon. The man's character is is always fantastic in all these Mission Impossible movies. The guy is a, a legend. The acting from everyone is definitely top-notch. It's, it's crazy to me that Simon Pegg is still in these movies. Of course this movie has more Tom Cruise running. Of course, right? This might be his most running ever. Tom Cruise could have been a track star. His mo- motorcycle stunt off the cliff was, was legit. I, I looked it up. There's behind-the-scenes stuff of him doing it for real, which is insane. The score is spectacular, as usual, in these movies. A highlight of the movie. Like I said, there's a lot of comedy moments in this movie which surprised me. And the ending kind of surprised me, too. It was uh, kind of like Spider-Verse across this the Spider-Verse ending, where it kind of teases things and uh, gives you that to-be-continued ending. I, lo- I, I think I like the tease endings in the, in the movie's ending on a to-be-continued. It's worth the watch, but I'd wait till February when it's available on Paramount+. Plus. That way, we're closer to the second film. Because if you watch it now, you're more farther away from the second movie. I hope that the second movie following this goes all out. No punches. But I'd probably give uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning a, a 8.3 out of 10. As much as I like the Mission Impossible movies, I'm not as a big a fan of them as my friend Chris Hawk. On the last episode of Cinema 7, Chris Hawk ranked all the Mission Impossible movies. And you can listen to that episode on the Cinema 7 feed. It's called the last episode. So I'm kind of excited as his friend to hear that he watches it whenever he does. And I'm anticipating his review of it. I think we just, it, now this is just me. Uh, and I hopefully there's a lot of people that agree with me. We just need more people of color in these type of movies. These Mission Impossible movies especially. But I think they can spin it off or create a like-minded uh action franchise with actors of color. I think that would be fun. Like I said, I had two movies to review and I saw the DC movie Blue Beetle. So at first, I did not like the way it looked on my TV screen. It had this weird motion blur and the and the UHDI or the UHD seemed odd. It almost looked like a bootleg movie. I was like, this must be this must have been filmed on like a 18k camera or something at least I, I was hoping the cameras and the c- cinematography wasn't bad i really hope it it was maybe the sh- the stream on the max was bad or my internet connection was shit eventually i did get used to it but i figured out it's because my picture was set to something different on my tv so it was completely uh user error what i was experiencing Jaime's first experience with the suit, I think, was was pretty good stuff. I like how Jaime learning to use the suit wasn't instant. He pretty much was learning how to use the suit the entire movie. I think DC has done a great job at their heroes learning their powers and evolving into their hero and roles in their origin movies. Let me tell you, George Lopez was a gem in this movie. My goodness, he was funny. The Mexican-American family representation in Blue Beetle, I think, is beautiful. The true core of the movie is the family. The family is equally the star of this movie. Everyone kills it. I think the only weak link in this movie is Susan Sarandon, which is weird because she's like the veteran. Did I mention I absolutely love the, the Mexican culture in this movie? 
because I do. I love the fact that OMAC is in this movie. And if you don't know who OMAC is, uh, he's a DC Comics creation. He, he it pretty much he's like a, a build up to Infinite Crisis. His the OMAC character. I just wanted a way cooler version of OMAC from the comics. Uh, I, I understand why they went with the design they did. I can't articulate it well enough so that you can have the same understanding. But I get it. And it's cool, but not OMAC cool. But it, it is cool to get that deep cut in the movie. You know, to have this this OMAC character be kind of uh, the antagonist. Uh, the fights between OMAC and Blue Beetle are really good in my opinion. I really enjoyed the fight scenes. Also, seeing a take on the classic Blue Beetle outfits were neat little Easter eggs. Establishing Blue Beetle as a hero like Batman for this city in like the 90s and early 2000s was a nice touch. Uh, the original Blue Beetle stuff in this movie kind of reminded me of Night Owl and Watchmen. And let me tell you, I always appreciate a good Jurassic Park cup scene. I- I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like, if I had to compare this to some MCU origin movies, like let's say, uh, I would say this is very similar to uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, right? I think that this is better than Spider-Man Homecoming. Compared to the DC movies that came out this year, I think it was better than Shazam Fury of Gods. It's close to being on par with The Flash. I enjoyed The Flash. I liked it. I I have liked every DC movie that came out this year. I think they were all fun. But I can see why people really enjoyed Blue Beetle. And I loved how this movie gave us time for the grief. And I don't want to get too into spoilers, but there's some grief in the movie. And though it it seems short, the way it it handles grief, I think, is really well. And my goodness, do do people die in this movie. My goodness. I love how the, the mapping device had a Game Boy Color light on it. I will say that as a person who has played lots of games in his life and has had Game Boy Colors and Game Boys and DSs, and the Game Boy Color Light was a nice little touch. I will say, the uh, if you haven't seen the movie and you watch it, the OMAC system looks like the machines out of the Matrix. And when you get there, you know what I'm saying. I think this movie does what every good hero origin story should always do. Uh, have the hero endure hardship overcome their pain and darkness or their suffering, uh, overcoming that desire for revenge and learning a valuable lesson in the process. I think it does all of that very well. Obviously in today's movie climate and how fast movies move through story, it, it does, uh, get there quicker than normal, but I really enjoyed this movie. It was fun. I'd probably give it the same score I gave the Marvels, which is a 7.5 out of 10. But giving it an 8 doesn't seem right, so I don't know. Maybe I'd give it a 7.7 out of 10. I don't know. See, I really I really liked the Marvels. I thought the Marvels was fun. Uh, I already went over that in the last two episodes, though. But I really liked Blue Beetle. If you have Max, definitely check it out. And uh, Joey Hill, if you're listening to this episode, this is a Joey Hill movie. The fighting, the suits, everything, I think you'd like it. Check it out. Like I said, if you have an HBO or if you have a Max subscription, sorry, I keep saying HBO Max, I think it's worth the watch. Let's see, what am I at here? 
I'm at 30, almost 35 minutes here into the podcast. I didn't think I'd finish those reviews that fast, but I don't want to make this a really long episode. I did want to talk about the AEW pay-per-view, but I think I'll do that in a 5.5 episode. I don't want to keep making half episodes or, uh, you know, uh, in between episodes, but I think when the time is right, I think I can make an in-between episode. And like I said, I want to talk about wrestling, but I think to talk about that pay-per-view, I would need at least 20 minutes. So if you're a wrestling fan and you listen to this, if you're one of my friends that likes wrestling and if you want to hear my opinion on it, I will talk about it in 5.5. So look forward to that during the week. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters yet. I uh, want to watch it, but I haven't gotten to it. I, I, I want to sit down and really get into those episodes because I'm a huge fan of Godzilla and, and Kaiju. And the Legacy Godzilla series has uh, been pretty interesting. So I, I want to sit down and really give my time to those, to those episodes that are out. So uh, maybe this week I'll sit down and watch it. If I have time on the 5.5 episode, maybe I'll talk about it or I'll save it for episode 6. Uh, nothing new has really been going on with me. Um, if you let me be a little uh, open and vulnerable with you, as I always am, I did make a, uh, I don't know, I got a little maybe jealous or, uh, like I said, I have trouble regulating my emotions. And um, though I am actively trying to recognize these emotions and, and work on them, there are triggers to it because of the the things that I have uh you know ADHD anxiety uh clylithmic or clylothic disorder if that if I do have it it was a high possibility when I went to therapy I don't want to use those things as excuses and I don't want to make excuses for myself so I am going to call myself out in this episode or I am going to call myself out here I just want, I'm just trying to better understand maybe what is affecting what is happening mentally. So I notice when other people are depressed or other people are stressed, um, who, you know, may or may not judge me. I don't know. Maybe they don't have time to judge me. I don't know. Isn't it weird though, that like when you are depressed or if you have bad anxiety and ADHD. I, I just realized, or I just learned, I didn't realize, I learned that if you have ADHD, because your emotions, like your brain is constantly uh, flowing in different patterns, right? You are more uh, likely to have low self esteem. So. Uh, and because of ADHD, I just forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, I, I, uh, I realized that people have a lot of support and when I I know this is wrong, but because of how I feel, um, my support group is very small. Uh, family is always going to support you, uh, you know, outside of my family, you know, there's, uh, my friends, I have a small friend group, and, you know, I don't get a lot of likes on 
Facebook or social media when when I do open up on there uh, I tend I tend to try not to be very controversial or I when I do open up it is very serious and I try to end it in the comment or the post uh, I try to end it on a good note on a good feeling you know that I'm learning that I'm developing that I'm growing if I am going to open up about something or state my opinion. And uh, instead of journaling to myself, um, sometimes I like to make posts on Facebook. And I I don't fucking understand why. I don't know why I do that. Uh, Makes me want to kick my own ass, you know? Give myself a stunner. Stone Cold stunner. Uh, But I made a post... And I deleted it real quick. I didn't know if anyone would see it. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's humble or maybe it's how I view myself. But I, I don't think people really pay attention to what I post. You know, like I said, I don't get a lot of likes. I don't get a lot of people uh, commenting. But the people that do like my stuff and, and comment, I'm very appreciative because they seem to be very supportive, supportive, supportive of me. And, um. I made this post talking about how, you know, I don't have a lot of uh, a major support system and not a lot of people are liking my stuff. And, and I also stated that not a lot of people like me and I get it cause I don't like myself either or I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And it seems like when I do post things that maybe people are just more nosy than, uh, than they actually care um basically is what it said i i i can't give you the the words because i don't remember exactly what i said but it it was along the lines of like you probably just want to watch my demise you just want to see stuff for gossip or whatever and i made this big post and i I don't know how long was on there but i deleted it because i realized i shouldn't be doing that I should be journaling or, or whatever. And I used to do that a lot. I used to post my uh, feelings and, and emotions through things on social media. And it's not it's not right to do. Uh, I got to call myself out on it. Especially when you're in a relationship, you don't want to be sending those ty- kinds of signals through social media, right? You want to be able to talk about them with your partner. You want to you communicate and Hey, talking about accountability, that's shit I did a few years ago. And one in my last relationship, I was posting feelings and stuff on social media um, because she would take space or take a break from the relationship uh, every so often when she needed her personal time or her space. And I was, like I said, a uh, I have an anxious attachment style, so without that person being present or around, I was going through all kinds of stuff and like I couldn't control or regulate my emotions and my feelings and, and all the things I felt. And I would just explode on the social media. Like I'd be real cryptic and, and I didn't want to give it away, but I wanted to express it at the same time. And, uh, yeah, that's unhealthy and that's not the way to go about it. Especially if you're in a relationship, you want to talk about things and bring it up. Obviously, I felt afraid to bring it up because when I did, they would get very angry because they just wanted their space and I didn't understand at the time. I wasn't very understanding of that fact. Well, it's not that I wasn't understanding. I I, I think that I understood it and I felt like I was trying to be. 
I think I was just anxious. And that's why I brought up the anxious, anxious attachment styles, because I didn't know what to do without this person actively talking to me or around, which is also not healthy. And this is kind of what happened, but I made this post. And like I said, it maybe was out of jealousy because I saw someone else posting about depression and being depressed on Facebook and they had like 40 likes. And like I said, I don't get that type of support on social media at all. Uh, so I didn't think anybody saw it, but then a, a ex-girlfriend of mine in, from my past, uh, last time we've like when we dated, it was like 10 years ago. So we really haven't spoken in like 10 years until like last year. I think it was last year or the year before. Maybe I added them on Facebook, but we haven't spoken for a long time. So recently, kind of through social media, we've uh, reconnected, uh, you know, as acquaintances or social media friends. We were both younger. Uh, She reached out to me and we had a, a nice conversation and she was saying how she, she is supportive. She thinks I'm a good person. Uh, you know, kind of giving me tips and, and hints about what I should do, you know, write stuff down. Um, and you know, she, she kind of did the same thing where she would explode on the social media and people were just more worried about her than, than anything else. And it creates confusion. And we, we had this really nice conversation, I think, and, and it's cool that, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're not like, obviously we're not friends, we don't hang out or anything, but to be supportive on social media or be friends over social media um, and to reach out the way that she did is, I, I, I'm very appreciative of it. And it, it was, I am very grateful to, to um, have that reconnection with her. And uh, she's a really good person. Uh, I've always thought she was a really good person. Uh, and I don't know. It was just really nice of her to do that. And uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like I've done that for other people, but people think I'm weird when I do it. And I don't try to be weird. Anyway. I, it, anyway. Okay. Back on track here. Her still thinking good of me means a lot. And, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, a little bit, you know, not really, but like we both felt bad about the breakup, but you know, it was necessary and she found a more capable partner, a more compatible partner. I should say I had lessons to learn through that breakup. Right. So it was, it was, uh, it was necessary whether we regret it the way we went about it or not. Um, it was still a learning experience. So it was just a good conversation. And I guess it's uh, what, what I've learned is I need to stop, uh, you know, exploding these feelings into uh, social media. I need to recognize them more. And obviously I've had this conversation in the past before, you know, uh, with my last X and, and I've had this conversation before with a therapist and and things like that. And it's, it's a pattern I keep doing. Uh, and I'm saying right now, right here, and I'm sure I said it before, but I'm, I'm working on it. 
Um, I'm not happy that I do it. I'm a little ashamed of myself that I, I do that. That I, that I kind of, in a way, seek validation through my feelings. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. If you have those feelings, you have to... Uh, and I talked about this a couple episodes ago when I was talking about uh, you know, how to control those emotions better, regulate them. You have to uh, recognize that feeling. You Like if you've had this feeling before, how you got over it, what the outcome was, uh, and that what's happening here is not normal. What what it's not that it's not normal as if you're a weirdo, but it's it's a it's something that's not really going to like affect you. You felt this before. It, the outcome wasn't great, you know, before or it, it didn't matter in the long run. I, I guess I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I just know I have to be better about that. And uh, uh, talking about it openly um, hopefully helps me not make the same mistake or not that it's a mistake. I, I, I don't want to make it a mistake. I mean, in, when I was in a relationship, it was a mistake. You don't want to post things and make them cryptid or uh, any of the stuff, you know, where you're trying to release expression without ex- properly ex- expression ex- expressing right so uh i just have to control it better i have to regulate those emotions better i have to uh and i keep saying regulate those emotions like i really know what that means and and, and, and i do but i don't because i need to practice it better and i want to keep saying it over and over but you know, it, the more I talk about it, the more I get better about it. I absolutely don't do it as much as I used to. Um, obviously, Facebook and social media has made that easy for all of us to do. Uh, at my age, I shouldn't be doing it, right? I should be going out and having hobbies or, or finding things to do on my own. And I've talked about this too. Like, I find it hard to do things on my own. I find it hard to go out and explore uh, said things, and um, that could be ADHD, I guess. But uh, I guess what I was trying to say at my age, I shouldn't be worrying about this shit, you know? Uh, At least that's how I feel. I I got more important stuff to worry about than seeking validation from others or uh, worrying about who gets what likes and how many likes I'm getting and uh, all that stuff, And, and it sucks that when I try to uh, be better about it, I fall back into the pattern of that, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't like that I do that. Oh man! I hope in me sharing this, uh, if anyone else out there does this, that you'll learn that people just don't know how to communicate with you the more you do this. They don't understand. They And it's going to make you feel like people don't support you. But even if your circle is small, like I said mine was, you have support. You have people who are behind you. And 
I have to recognize that not everyone is going to like me and that's okay. And the other day when I was uh, expressing on the Facebook, the information that I told you, I felt like I wanted people to like me. I want more people to like me. I'm a people pleaser. So I try to not do wrong by people. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to disappoint anyone. And I think all that builds up. And in this moment, I released that emotion in an improper way. And I I think the problem is I, I don't have people I can regularly talk to. I have my friends, yes, but they're busy with their lives. So I don't have someone I can talk to. And even when I had a partner, I, I like I said, I did the same thing. And I had a person I could regu- uh, normally talk to every day. Well, obviously, when they were taking space, I didn't. And I didn't know how to do that with my anxiety and all that jazz. I, I just need to get better at recognizing my feelings, these emotions, implementing the things I talked about in 4.5 to you know go for walks uh listen to music at certain moments these things come up and i need to practice regulating my emotions and understanding what that means exactly establish it for myself so i can be better at controlling that outburst but you know that that i guess that's something when you're a people pleaser you don't want to bother them with your mess So that's why you express elsewhere and then you end up causing more issues because then people are confused and you're not really communicating properly with with the people you need to, you know, and uh, it creates issues. Um, Yeah, and and I I guess to be a little straightforward with everyone, I, I, like I said, I'm ashamed of myself for doing it and I I just want to be better and I don't want to keep making mistakes. And I feel like I keep making mistakes. I feel like I, I know mistakes are a part of life. You know, you, you're going to make them right. Everyone's human. I, I understand. I, I just, I, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing the right thing all the time. Like I, feel, I, I don't, I feel like I don't do anything right. And by constantly making these mistakes or not doing anything right, I'm losing people I care about. I, my last relationship, I, I was completely in love. Like I, I, <clears throat> I miss that person a lot and I feel like I fucked it up. And because of these things, I, I it's like, I, I, I just want to be better. And as much as I try, I, I can't control. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It depresses me. It really does. But I don't want to end the podcast on a depressing note uh, because that would be terrible. So I promise to all of you, and sometimes I'm going to not keep my promises. That's a part of life. I may make the same mistakes in the future. Uh, Hopefully not. (laughs) I really don't want to. Um, But I'm going to promise my friends... Uh, I'm going to promise the people that care about me that I I will give it my all to be better about this. I will be uh, better controlling my feelings, uh, 
keeping them in check, regulating my emotions better. I promise you that I'm going to start practicing and going to continue to practice those things more so that I can overcome the need to overshare. Now with ADHD, you're going to overshare like crazy, especially if someone brings up a topic or you get into a hyper-focused situation or if you just... Someone gives you the opportunity to share something, we are going to overshare, let me tell you. We're going to state our opinion. Or we're just going to think we can do it. And that's why you go to therapy. That's why you have a therapist. Uh, That's why we have partners and stuff. And sometimes partners can't always deal with that, right? They're, They're trying to regulate and deal with their own things. And boy, let me tell you, if you're in a relationship where both of you have ADHD, and you both uh, struggle communicating, like one's an avoidant uh, person and the other one's an anxiety attachment or anxious attachment. My goodness, let me tell you. And I just saw, which, you know, I I don't want to just make it about uh, a man and a woman being in a relationship. You know, obviously two men having ADHD in a relationship or two women or if you're non-binary, uh, ADHD in general is just hard to navigate, uh, especially with everything we're learning about it today. And apparently ADHD is mostly different in women. Like it doesn't have the same signals or signs that you would see, uh, normally people with ADHD have, or what they have taught us that you notice, you know? Uh, like the hyperfixations and, and things like that. Like it, th- those things show up differently in women who have ADHD, apparently, uh, which is very fascinating to uh, l- learn about. You know, it's eye opening. So, y- it, and I hope people don't realize that I'm oversharing because I, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to make people uncomfortable. You know, like I, when I overshare, it's not. I don't do it on purpose. I just, you're giving me a chance to express something and I'm going to do it. And for me to feel comfortable to express that to you, I, 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 hopefully you appreciate that. But I also apologize because I know it could be too much. It's all about being better, right? We're always working on ourselves every day. You know, every day you're going to, it's not like every, it's instant. Like you're going to be the best person ever right away. Uh, you know, uh, things take time. Life takes time. Uh, you're, you're always going to make mistakes, like I said, and you're always going to disappoint people. Uh, it's how others, like I said, I think I said this before. If people understand who you truly are and how good you are and, and how well you actually mean, um, people, yes, may be upset in the moment, but they'll work through it to, uh, still connect with you and you know uh like i said things take time building trust takes time uh getting over trauma takes time uh you have to you have to work with especially your partner or significant other to get through that and it's not easy uh definitely not easy because you have to recognize a lot of your own triggers and uh like I said, you know, you got to regulate emotion, got to learn how to regulate emotion and you got to learn how to control those feelings and figure out ways around it. And it's not always the easiest thing to do because, uh, I'm still learning about this stuff. 
you know, you apply it to yourself and either recognize that's you or, you know, honestly, you should just go to see a therapist. That's the best thing to do. And uh, when I was talking to my friend the other night, it made me miss going to therapy because we were talking about our therapy experiences and things like that. And man, when I was going to therapy, I was setting goals. I was, uh, there was so much I was learning and I I could express my stuff to the therapist, which is the reason they get paid. Uh, you know, I, I was, uh, man, I was doing better with communication. I was, uh, having me and my partner set boundaries with each other. Um, it was a, it was a whole thing. I, I was, you know, I had things more under control. Um, more than I do now. And I feel like I know more now. I feel like I have more of an experience and, and stuff. And it's weird. So I think I'm going to, once I start doing this new job and the insurance kicks in, I'm going to be going back to therapy. And I don't think you should be afraid of therapy. I mean, it is scary. Don't get me wrong. You are going to be afraid if you are. Uh, And I'm not telling you that you because you can't just not be afraid, right? Like, hey, get over it. Don't be afraid. That's not what I mean. I mean, if you want to do it, if you think you need to do it, just go for it uh, and set goals. Obviously, you got to find the right therapist too because sometimes therapists will just agree with you and I didn't want that. I made that apparent with every therapist I had. I said, don't tell me, don't just agree with me. I want you to tell me when I'm wrong. And that was very helpful to any information I would give them. You know, just, hey, everyone be better. I love you. All my friends listening, I love you and I appreciate you. I love the support. And I'll see you guys next week on episode five. Be super. Get super. Stay super. sweet smells of pine and the everlasting joy of Christmas day and the time of winter and being out with nature. Yes, I did light a Yankee candle that is pine and forest scented and it smells lovely and I love it. By the way, the candle is village candle and is northern pine.